earlier and as we've been talking about for a number of months, uh, this upcoming month of October is a special one for us. It's a one where we get to go on sabbatical and we're really looking forward to this time. It's an opportunity for us to, as, as a family, to really be sustained in ministry. If you didn't know, the average pastor only makes it five years before they leave pastoral ministry entirely. And the elders and the leaders of this church know that my heart for ministry is a lifelong heart of ministry. So I'm really grateful for this time of being able to think and pray and allow the Lord to really speak and rejuvenate my soul. And I think that's something that we all need, right, in our lives. We need to take time for the Lord to speak and rejuvenate our souls. But I must say that as excited as I am for this upcoming October, in some ways I am afraid for it to come. I'm not afraid of being able to take time to be with the Lord and visit churches, and we have all that already planned out. But I am afraid of not being here. I'm afraid of not being here, so much so that I've already told the elders that I have a really good wig and mask in place, and they might see me on a Sunday, but just turn a blind eye. I promise it's not me. And Phil said, jokingly had mentioned how I'm probably going to be circling the church every now and then, and all those things feel true in my heart. Why? Well, because I love this place. I care for you guys. I love being a pastor. I love being able to be responsible in some ways for this wonderful Christian tradition of carrying on the gospel to this generation and to the next. I love being able to proclaim reconciliation to the world. And in that, I worry. I worry. You know, it's ironic how you can be for all of these things but yet still struggle to trust God in it. And so I find myself, at least within the last few weeks, with work stacked so high, trying to plan for every thing that could happen, all the unpredictabilities, trying to think about, well, if this happens, what will we do? If that happens and I'm not here, what will we do? And as I try to plan and plan and plan and plan, I'm realizing that in my attempt to find rest, I'm living in what? Fear and worry. Isn't that something that we can all relate to? I mean, if you think about it, it probably even happened this week, if not today, that we struggle with our worry in life. We struggle with the unknown. We struggle with well, what will happen if I'm not around? And it's interesting, right? Because even in the midst of that struggle, we can lie to ourselves and tell ourselves that this is a noble thing. But you see, I believe that God is calling us to have a different kind of posture when it comes to the subject of worry. So I pray and trust that you will listen to at least not my words today, but the words of Christ as we look at Scripture. So I want to invite each of you to open with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading in verse, verses 25 through 34. This is a larger chunk of Scripture than I normally preach on in a single message. Um, but it's an important, I think, to, to hear it in its whole 
But I just want to let you guys know we're mainly going to be looking at verses 33 through 34 today. But let's go ahead and read chapter 6, 25 through 34. So if you would, turn your Bibles there. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I don't know about you, but that's a really powerful sentence to read. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Those last two verses especially, I think, are worth underlining in your Bibles if you don't have them underlined already. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. I know that you are thinking and looking at this verse and saying, wow, there is a lot here that I don't live by. (laughs) If I were to be honest about myself, there are plenty of times in my life where I worry for God to be good at his word. But I want to tell you, church, something very important here. That God commands us not to worry. I want you to say that with me. God commands us not to worry. I mean, if you think about it, there are ten commandments that many of us know and have memorized and have learned at some point in our lives. And maybe there's some other laws of God that you have thought about and considered. Honor thy... Okay, do not covet, do not steal, do you know, honor the Lord's Sabbath, all these other things that we have memorized in our minds that we know are very, very important that we take as the law of God in truth to apply to our own lives. But yet here within the scriptures, what do we see Jesus commanding? Do not worry about tomorrow. 
So he is literally speaking out to all of his listeners and saying, do not worry about tomorrow. So then the question I have to ask you is, are you a person that is constantly worrying about tomorrow? And if so, are you recognizing that as sin? I mean, think about it. If God is calling us to trust in him, if God is calling us to not worry about tomorrow, and all we are doing is what? Worrying about tomorrow, then we are doing what? We're breaking a command that God is calling us to. And when we break commands, what are we doing? We're sinning. And look, so often when I say the word sin, it's almost like I need to re-explain it for our day. Because I get it, a lot of people have misused sin, and they have weaponized scripture in such a way that God's word ends up being, I don't know, a, a sledgehammer to beat people with. When in reality, when we look at God's word and when we look at the commands that God is calling us to, it's not about beating us down, but it's about what? Building us up. You see, so often we forget that the commands that God calls us to are actually good for us. If I were to tell you today that I have some medicine to help you never worry again, would you want to take it? Absolutely. I know I would, and I'd probably make a boatload of money and maybe not be a pastor anymore. Because <laughs> we realize that worries bring us physical stress. I mean, it's even scientific that if you are a person who is constantly living in worry, that it even has a negative effect on your body, so much so that you are living in a literal weakened state where your body struggles to fight off infection as much as somebody who might not be worrying, that you are literally advancing the aging effect on your body just by worrying. I'm actually 15 years old, but I've been worrying a lot in my life. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Worries affect us, and God is commanding us not to worry for specific reasons. But here's the thing, church. It is a radical statement for verse 25 for Jesus to say, do not worry about your life. Make no mistake, that is radical. And it's not just radical, it's countercultural. You see, we need to remember that the God's word is oftentimes countercultural, that it oftentimes is calling us to a perspective that isn't natural for the times that we live in. You see, the times that we would live in would like us to believe that worrying is important. I would even argue that our society has built up worry to be a part of life. 
So even if you think about the ways that we worry, right? If you don't save enough money for retirement, you better worry. If you don't do this, you better worry. If you don't check out that, you better worry. And we even market worrying as an industry within our society. And then we wonder why so many people are stressed and, and living in anxiety over the worry that could happen in, their, in our lives. Worry is all around us. But yet Jesus is calling us not to worry. You know, a movement that I find kind of interesting, and sometimes I'll even watch videos on it just because uh, it, it's so outside of my own context of what I can afford or even plan for. But have you ever gone online before and seen uh, those, those preppers, right? People, they, they call them preppers. Those are people that are, are prepping for the end of the world, okay? And, and these are people that maybe they have a bunker with years worth of provisions to be able to sustain them if the zombie apocalypse happens. <laughs> and it's pretty interesting to watch some of these shows. Sometimes it's just impressive on what people can financially afford or work towards in, in preparing for this end of the world. And, and I laugh at that sometimes because it's so outside of what I think I can be able to afford and do. But at the same time, too, I, I also married a, a, a woman who's a little bit of a prepper. So if you were to come to my house, you would see that we have way more water than we probably could ever drink in at least a single month. And, you know, I'm not saying that these things are, are terrible because, you know, I at least and, and my wife at least, we grew up in a state that would oftentimes be battered by hurricanes and we would be out of power for days on end and that would create all sorts of problems. So don't get me wrong, there could be some utility and importance there in being able to prepare for unknown situations, but so often what I end up seeing happening is this that there is a difference between planning for the future and living in fear over the future. You see what I'm saying there? You can plan for the future. And when God says to not worry, he's not saying live your life uninterested in what is going to happen tomorrow. But what he is saying is, is do not allow yourself to be so gripped by fear that you can't even live for the day that exists. You see the difference there in how I believe that Jesus is trying to, what really Jesus is calling us to? I like this quote from Billy Graham that I'll put on the screen for you. He says this, some people spend so much time worrying about what might happen that they never enjoy what is happening. I'll let that one just sit for a second. Today is the tomorrow you wor worried about yesterday. Think about that. Think about that. So many of us are living in worries for tomorrow that we never actually enjoy or are present for today. And I'm not just talking about being a prepper. Sometimes I'm just talking about being a father. Here's an honest struggle that I have, church. We live in times, right? 
where you go to the grocery store, and every single month, I'm always shocked at what I paid, right? This has to be the last month that this is going to happen, right? That this, this is going to go up to this quantity. And so what do I do? I worry as a father who is in many ways charged with a lot of the financial well-being of my family. So because of that, I try to work a little bit more. I try to do something a little different. I try to live in such a way that sometimes I'm not always as present as I need to be for my family. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what can come. And again, there's a difference between planning and living in fear. Amen? And God does not want us to live in fear. If anything, God is calling us to trust in him. That's what this whole section is about. This whole section is about trusting in God. It's about realizing that God is the author and the sustainer of life. And that is a hard thing for us to accept. It's almost like I need to say that with a but at the end of it in order for us to actually hear what Jesus is saying. But no, what Jesus is literally saying is that I am the author and sustainer of life. And I am calling you not to worry about tomorrow. That's hard to do, isn't it? You know, I told you a little bit that my wife can be a little bit of a prepper. Some of it's just normal stuff, right? Like, we, we got into a house that we can have chickens, so we have a whole bunch of chickens, and all of our chickens have names, so they're off limits for me to be able to use them for other purposes other than eggs. I'll just say that much. But last year, we thought it would be funny if we took one of our chickens and sent everybody a family photo of us preparing that chicken for dinner. <laughs> so I wish I had the photo on the screen. I'll, I'll, I'll try to ask me later and I could show you it. But basically it's a live chicken and Michaela and I are pretending to put it in the oven and I got a big old knife, you know, butchering knife. So Theodore was going through our family photos, right? We didn't do anything to the chicken. Beth's like mortified. I see her opening her mouth. We didn't do anything to the chicken. It was just all for show. But I see Theodore looking through the photos, and all of a sudden I see his hand just slam the book and say, Mommy, Daddy, what were you doing to Berdita? That's the name of one of our chickens, Berdita. <laughs> so what were you doing to Berdita? Right? And he's freaking out because he thinks that we're about to, you know, do something to one of his favorite chickens. So without skipping a beat, Michaela asks him, Well, Theodore... Where do you think chicken nuggets come from? <laughs> and he goes, they come from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and we go, well, we'll just let him believe that a little bit longer, I guess. <laughs> so in some ways, what I, this funny story, at least is a reminder to me of how... Right. Sounded pretty fast. <laughs> it could be a reminder to me, though, how we as people oftentimes allow our worries to get out of hand and how it can be a good thing to prepare for 
tomorrow, but not to necessarily allow that to be fear-driven worry. I oftentimes think there are two typical perspectives that arise when we are told, do not worry. And I think the first one is, is that sometimes we think that's pie in the sky, right? We think that, oh, isn't that a cute little thing to tell kids? Or isn't that a wonderful thing to believe to not worry? And we almost dismiss it because it feels so unattainable for us. But again, God is commanding us to not worry. And the other perspective is, is I think it can be oversimplified. Or at the very least, maybe it could be overapplied. And what I mean by that is, is it's the individual that wrongly thinks that there is no importance in life in being able to plan and prepare and order one's steps. You know, sadly, years ago, I had a congregant who I deeply loved. This gentleman was a total man of God. He was the kind of guy that you just wanted to spend time with in hopes that some of him would rub off on you. And I really enjoyed his company. He had such big faith that God was his provider. However, this man unexpectedly died. If you looked at him on the outside, he was within great physical shape. He seemed like, for a guy in his 60s, that he was the epitome of health. And him and his wife were getting really excited to hopefully celebrate some retirement soon. But unfortunately for them, God decided to call him home on a quicker timetable than anyone expected. And I remember talking to his wife and and finding out that she didn't know that he canceled his insurance. And they have big bills. And those bills were much bigger than what was in the bank account. And all of a sudden, over the course of a weekend, she lost her husband, which effectively lost her livelihood, and then realized that she had big bills to take care of. When I asked her, well, what happened? Why do you think she, he did that? He said, she said to me, well, because he trusted, he always told me we needed to trust in God more. And he didn't believe in life insurance or, or medical insurance in this case. Because he always felt like, well, God was going to call him home when he called him home. And look, this is not an advertisement for signing up for medical insurance. But what this is, is stating that sometimes we can have the right belief and think about it in the right ways but maybe not apply it in the way that we should you know i don't want to disparage anybody who knows somebody that's similar to that but i would always say that if you're going to make a choice that's going to affect more people than yourself then you should probably include other people within that choice and i think that's probably what it should have happened but didn't happen so sometimes we can misapply a conviction and allow that conviction to end up being something that God never intended for us to have in the first place. The whole fact that Jesus came into this world was a commitment of what? Of what he was going to fulfill one day. And in very many ways, when we read scripture, especially when we read the book of Revelation, what are we faced with? A commitment of what is going to come. 
So we do look to tomorrow. It's not like we're blind to what is to come, but we don't allow our fears for tomorrow to rule us today. Did you hear that? We don't allow our fears of tomorrow to rule us today. So then how, Pastor Kevin, do we get rid of worries? I love the way that Jesus ends this section. In verse uh, 33, in chapter 6, verse 33 through 34, Jesus says these words, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Verse 33 is the key here, church. God already knows everything that you need in life. He knows it. But we need to do what? Seek first his kingdom. I want to take a second to touch on that a little bit more. Many of us live or know people who live in such a way that they're building their own kingdoms on earth, right? Where their lives are a focus about themselves. You know, so often as a pastor, I, I have the opportunity to sometimes counsel other people to take time to speak into other people's lives, and it's a wonderful part of my role. But sometimes I'm faced with people that cannot think past their problem. And oftentimes what I have to end up advising them to do is something that they're not even thinking about. And that is, is taking the focus off themselves. Believe it or not, church, some of the best ways that you can handle your worry in life is just by not thinking about it. And that sounds really hard, right? How do you not think about something that you feel pressed by? But let me explain it this way. When you're worrying about your problems, but and then you go and serve, right? Maybe you're serving the church. Maybe you're serving the children here. Maybe you're showing up to Bible study. Maybe you're coming on a Sunday. It changes the way that you think. It gets you out of your stinking thinking and allows you to see a bigger picture. You see, when I am focusing on serving the kingdom of God, guess what I'm not focusing on? My problems, or at least not as much. And there's something that beautiful that happens when we live for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God starts to live more in us. You see, the enemy would love for you as an individual to live in your worries, to live in your fears. But God is calling us to peace. What's interesting is, is if you didn't know, the Greek word for peace is ereni, and that word means to bind together something that was broken and disjointed. And I love that definition of binding together something that was broken and disjointed. Why? Well, because it's in our name. We are Peace Community Church, Peace Mennonite Community Church, and it's in our name to be a people that binds together those that are broken 
That is why we exist, and that is exactly a what, why God's kingdom exists. Because God's kingdom is about binding together broken people. But you can't bind together broken people unless you see yourself as a broken person. But that's the beauty of why it's so important to seek first the kingdom of God. If you didn't know, today is what we're calling Membership Sunday. And this is a special new rhythm for us. It was a former rhythm, so I guess it's a rhythm being brought back from an older rhythm. I don't know. I'm, hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> but what we're doing here is, is we're taking the time to recognize men and women who want to bind together the things that we are about here. You know, when I was talking to the elders about what membership is and what membership isn't within this church, we wanted to make sure it was a common feeling amongst our group that we wanted to make sure that we were a people that were calling others to something. That is an important emphasis for us as a church, that you are called to something. Perhaps for you, what that calling could be is uniting with us as a church. We are so committed to God and his gospel, to the kingdom efforts that he calls us to. Church, if you want to deal with your worry, then I think all we need to do is be prepared, not for the worry, but to trust in God. Say that with me. Be prepared to trust God. This is a mind shift for some of you. For some of you, you are very prepared to deal with a specific worry. But the question is, is are you prepared to trust God? How do you become prepared to trust God? Well, the simple way to answer that is by allowing yourself the space to know him and know his word. There's a wonderful thing that happens that as you engage more in the community of believers, as you read God's word, as you fellowship with the Lord through prayer, that something marvelous happens, that his words start to become your words, that the ways that God thinks starts to become the way that you think, so that when you are faced with troubles, you're not repeating what the world has to say about those troubles, but instead what ends up coming to mind is what God has to say about those troubles. It's why so oftentimes we encourage people to memorize scripture, because it is an important thing to be able to allow those truths of God to combat the lies that we hear within the world or within us. Are you doing that? Are you a person who is prepared to trust God? Are you a person that when a situation arises, you can recite and know God's truth well enough to speak to that situation? It's what Jesus did when Satan was trying to tempt him in the wilderness. Satan would, would try to speak words of lies into him, and Jesus would combat those lies with what? Truth. So we as a church need to be prepared to trust God.